Uh, he spent four decades at the Desert Sun. So if you have lived here any length of time, you will know the name Bruce Fessier quite well. And uh, it's been, gosh, what, about a year now since you left the paper, Bruce? Pardon me? Has it been a year yet since you left? Yeah, yeah, it has. It was a, a year in June. Wow. How time flies. Uh, no kidding. When you're having COVID. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, tell you that life is so different. It's just, I never really felt retired until uh, until the COVID hit. What What is, uh, what is Bruce Fessier up to in his post-Desert Sun life? Well, I'm still writing. Um, I just uh, was talking with somebody uh, a few minutes ago about about doing an article on a on Lord Fletcher's actually and uh, uh, the history of that. So, and I, I have my own my other projects too, and uh, uh, it's just I've had a lot of projects, and everything has just kind of come to a standstill since last March. Yeah, we've all had to just take a great big time out. I wish everybody could have done it all together for a few weeks and we could have just put this thing behind us. But, yeah. boy, it, is, it has changed the world as we know it, hasn't it? Yeah, well, I've, I've also had some personal things. Like my mom died in, in May, and that might have been COVID-related. And I had to put on the first um, Zoom funeral at Rose Hills Cemetery uh, in early June, and that was uh, a really interesting experience because uh, they they didn't know what what all the regulations were, and they changed every day. I mean, my my sister's Jewish, and one day uh, they told her that uh, she wouldn't be able to do, do the Jewish ceremony where you throw dirt on the coffin. Yeah, uh, and so they got all, she got all upset, and they said, "Okay, well you can you can throw dirt on the coffin, but you can't use a shovel." You know, and, and then they would check the new regulations, and they were making up these regu- regulations as oh they were going goodness. along. And then they, they hadn't used the air conditioning since March, uh, early March, and it, it didn't work. So we were doing this, uh, we had this funeral going in 90-degree heat with no air conditioning, and they said that we couldn't bring in bottled water because it was uh, a, a potential threat. Oh, and they Lord. said that we had, to go, we had to go outside and use a drinking fountain. And I'm saying, you're saying bottled water is, uh, uh, is riskier than using a public fountain are you crazy you know and it, so uh, and then i've been uh, getting involved in in trust issues and uh so i've been doing some things that haven't been very fun either my wife was in and out of a hospital for a month so it's been it's been crazy wow uh, you have not yeah. been spared no i have not at all i mean i personally i'm you know i'm i'm kind of fortunate i i had i did an interview with this journalist from england on march 1st and she was sick as a dog uh and she was coughing in my face it was set up by the convention and visitors bureau uh at the palms in rancho mirage and we were sitting out in the patio and i and i was just kind of offended that she would go ahead and do this interview and and i because we were already talking about COVID at that time and her, her attitude was well we in england we just kind of uh, go to work when we're sick, and uh, we just work through it. 
And I said, well, that's good for you, isn't it? <laughs> you know, meanwhile, you're uh, possibly infecting me with this illness that you have. But, but I've, I've been tested, and, and you know, going through the test is also r- really interesting because uh, I had to go through a test when uh, before, just before we went to the funeral. My sister wanted to put on a reception after the funeral. The funeral, we only were allowed to have 10 people in the mortuary. And uh, the last thing I wanted to do was have a reception afterwards. And uh, uh, so I I went to get tested to make sure I was okay. And they said that even if I tested negative, they couldn't recommend that I go to the funeral because it might be a false negative. And therefore, they actually recommended that I not. They didn't actually recommend it, but they heavily implied that I should not get a test. Because then, they, then I would be in this predicament where, uh, you know, I, I couldn't be safe no matter what, how I tested in going to a funeral. So I didn't, I, you know, the, my wife got tested and she got tested negative. And they said, well, she's negative. You'll probably be negative, too. Just go ahead and go to the funeral. <laughs> wow. All the this, that, yeah. and the next thing is enough to drive us all to become Xanax addicts. Well, I already am at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you that's, mentioned that's a whole other that's a whole other interview. <laughs> you you already you mentioned the uh, Lord Fletcher's uh, work that you're you're working on, uh, Orme, uh, and mm-hmm. that brings me to something that you posted not too long ago on your Facebook page and talking about the fact that Lord Fletcher's is going away, and you certainly have some memorable. Uh, moments that uh, I think intersect with uh, with old Blue Eyes, the chairman of the board, eh? Oh yeah. Well, we put on uh, when I did this um, this series on the Rat Pack. Uh, we culminated that with a uh, a question and answer session uh, at Lord Fletcher's, and Michael Fletcher was kind enough to actually close the restaurant and have it open to uh, by invitation only to people who wanted to hear us talk about as you say, old blue eyes. And we had Jack Jones and the late, great Trini Lopez and Rita Vale, who's Jerry Vale's widow. And, uh, it was, it was, it was really fascinating, uh, hearing those guys tell their stories. I had a, a couple stories and Michael Fletcher, uh, had a story that I related on Facebook about, uh, uh, Sinatra and Alan Shepard getting up on the bar and starting singing, fly me to the moon. <laughs> and it was a, one of those only in Palm Springs experiences. Right. That's great. Um, yeah, yeah. I wanted to also talk with you today uh, about somebody who had a major impact on cinema uh, in my hometown and in my new uh, newer adopted home, uh, which is Seattle and Palm Springs, respectively. And that's uh, a man who uh, we just lost uh, here in the last week or so, uh, Daryl McDonald, who had been the, I guess, executive director of the Palm Springs International Film Festival. Um, Right. I thought maybe you could uh, talk a bit about Daryl and and share uh, some thoughts about him and the impact that he had. Uh, Certainly, Sonny Bono was, you know, was the key figure in moving and shaking to get the film festival going here, but... But Daryl played a huge part in the success that it's had globally. He did. And, and like you said, uh, he had already started the Seattle Film Festival. So he, he literally ran the two largest film festivals in the United States. 
Uh, I don't think he's received the credit that he deserves for for what he did in both both cities uh, because he started the Seattle Film Festival in 1975, and that was before film festivals were a big deal. Um, and uh, he was he was not the artistic director, but he was a he was the primary programmer with a guy who went on to become a primary programmer for Sundance. Uh, in 1990 under Jeanette Paulson, who was Sonny Bono's first executive director of the, uh, of the uh, Paulson's International Film Festival. And so he had a lot to do with, with determining the type of film that we were, we're seeing in Palm Springs. And, and uh, he, he basically deserves a, a lot of credit for establishing the reputation that Palm Springs had as the festival that played the Oscar winning foreign language films. He, he was here for the first three years of the festival. Uh, then they were struggling financially and, and through no fault of Daryl's and Daryl always prided himself on being a, a good businessman. And he, he proved that in Seattle, but Sonny Bono was thinking that he needed somebody who was a fundraiser and he didn't, um, he thought that Daryl was a great film mind, but he only hired him as artistic director. And the last year, uh, Daryl actually performed the duties of the executive director, but uh, Sonny uh, wouldn't give him the executive director job. He went off and hired Craig Prater, who was a, a, a fantastic fundraiser for the Desert AIDS Project. And uh, that launched that launched Craig's career uh, in the film festival world, and he's now at the iHeart Festival in, in Indianapolis. But um, so that that's so Daryl was played an, in, a very very important role in starting the film festival, and then after they went through some problems and lost Nortel as a, as a title sponsor. And, and Harold Matzner came in and, and basically rescued the festival financially and, and turned the gala into something that was originally uh, a fundraiser for, or, or a corporate retreat really for the Nortel communications company. He turned that into a major fundraising gala and he started growing the festival into becoming one of the top five uh, best attended festivals in the United States, but it didn't have the reputation as a very strong artistic festival. So he brought, he he flew up to Seattle and he wined and dined Daryl. Daryl was not anxious to come back to Palm Springs, but uh, Harold brought him back as a full-time executive director. And, uh, and, and the festival grew exponentially after Daryl came down. And also, he started increasing the number of North American premieres that the festival had. And with his relationship with other film festival directors, he was able to really bring in some fantastic films and, and increase the reputation that Palm Springs has today as being both an artistic and financial success. Boy, has it. And, of course, things are a little different this year with uh, the festival uh, kind of sliding in just under the wire and the, the short fest having to uh, take a, a digital approach this year like so many other things. Um, but this is one of those things that no doubt is going to come back uh, like wildfire when this virus is in our rearview mirror and is going to yeah. continue to be a major signature event. 
here in the valley. When did that? When did that? What was the time frame when that really kind of took that turn? And and I, I know in terms of getting the international attention uh, from the media that that happened with something that was kind of a uh, not a great of uh, circumstance that happened on stage one night. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, the uh, the, the the transition from Craig Prater to uh, Sonny's best friend Dennis Pregnolato was a rough one, and uh, uh, a lot of a lot of people left the festival with with Craig, and Harold Master was uh, the co-chairman the first year. That was. 2001. Hey, Bruce, I'm actually going to ask you to hang on for just a second. We'll continue that uh, right after the break. Uh, We'll continue with more of the John McMullen Show. I am joined happily by Mr. Bruce Fessier, who is talking about some of the transitioning that went on with the Palm Springs International Film Festival and how we've taken it from being a a great local event to being a great global event. I'm sorry I had to interrupt you there, uh, Bruce, but... uh, Well, that's that's okay. I'll just... I'll just finish that up with really quickly with the history to get to really the contemporary news. Uh, I mean, we were talking about how the film festival made a transition. And I was saying that a lot of people uh, were supporting the executive director, Craig Prater, and Harold had to bring in new blood. Uh, he, there were several people who didn't show up at a gala. And after that, Harold started having these agents sign contracts with his with this festival to, to guarantee that every, all the celebrities would show up. And that's when he also started looking for a face of the festival, as he used to call it. And he brought, uh, he, he hired Daryl in September of 2003. And Daryl put on his first festival as executive director of Palm Springs uh, in January of 2004. But, but, you know, I, 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 I one of the big challenges or problems that I, I've been having since I left the Desert Sun is how to um, break the tether between my role as a, as a journalist here in the Valley and the, pursuing the, the writing projects that I've been wanting to do uh, for books and, and TV and film projects that have, that have come my way. And But I'm still very involved in, um, you know, I still, I, I was just just had a text message from Harold uh, a couple days ago. He he just had a, a surgery that's gonna he thinks is gonna help him start walking again. He was on a on a scooter for most of last year, and uh, you know and I and I still have conversations with Paul Tillett at, Co- at Coachella, and uh, so I I still feel like I'm I'm part of this journalism scene. I'm just not doing it for the Desert Sun anymore. And I haven't decided if I really want to get back into it. Uh, I, I was going to have a website and, and continuing practicing my craft through that, but it seems like a distraction from some of the other things that I want to do. So well, face it, I've you been are, a little, little are, torn about that. You are the dawn of uh, being a you know the cultural mafioso here in the Valley, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, I like to think of it more of a dean. <laughs> okay, absolutely. Um, yeah. So... so Tell us a little bit. Is anything taking flight in terms of these writing projects? I yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things where somebody comes up with a an idea that is inspiring, and then 
then finances get in the way. I mean, that Lord Fletcher's uh, article that I was telling you about, that was supposed to be an article for Rancho Mirage Magazine. And then Rancho Mirage Magazine folded. So, uh, and and it just, I mean, I'm stimulated by a lot of these ideas, but then the, the, the reality of the finances comes in and uh, people are just really nervous right now. And, and uh, uh, I mean, I have a, a an article that was printed after I left the Desert Sun that quotes Julie Mackinnon saying, uh, I can't wait till June 4th to have you back writing for the Desert Sun again. But that was before COVID hit. And uh, I, I did tell her that I'd be available. And I have written a couple of columns for the Desert Sun for free. Uh, but I said, but I said that, you know, I, I am available to do freelance writing and, you know, they're losing their building. They don't have a lot of money to throw around for freelance writing or for anything besides what their staff is doing. So are they actually uh, moving I, out of the building? They will be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, now that they don't need the presses there, that kind of makes sense to consolidate that. But it's sad to see this, and, and it's sad it to really, see the pressure that's not only on the Desert Sun, but on uh, you know other magazines and such that have done quite well here, like Palm Springs Life, I know, is it, they're, I mean, they're facing really tough times, too, right now. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, the, the Desert Sun has... Uh, had a, a few offers on um, on the on the building, so they're de- they're definitely going to sell the building, and the question is, where are they going to go? I, you know, it was I, I started with the Desert Sun when they were in uh, what is now Revivals in the Sun Center, <laughs> and uh, it was it was so weird working uh, for a newspaper in a strip mall. Yeah. And and it was so it, it it changed our lives when we got to work in that beautiful building on Gene Autry Trail. And I hate to see him go back into a strip mall, but that's I mean the great thing about working uh, in a nice building is that you you get to be in a relaxed environment with all these creative minds. And you, when you talk about things, even casually, great ideas spring up, yeah. and great stories come out of it. And that's that's really lacking right now. I mean, there's a, there's it's a two prong attack. One is that uh, they don't have the, the the communal setting to generate spontaneous ideas, and then two, they don't have the money to to do anything really daring. Yeah. Um, well, I hope things are going to turn around, but I, you know, the forecast doesn't look good for a lot of print media, and that's really sad because without uh, the desert sun, uh, there is we are going to be very uh, ill-informed in this community. That's for sure. Bruce, uh, always yeah. a pleasure to get together with you and talk. We'll look forward to doing it again soon. I hope and uh, stay okay. well, stay healthy, and wish you the best. Okay, thanks, John. Thank you so much. Bruce Fessier, who spent 40 years at the Desert Sun and is working on a number of other projects and is the dean of the culture scene here in the Coachella Valley.